Today on Sagittarian Matters, we talk about non-monogamy, white fragility, wedding confrontation etiquette, trauma, current events, and more with my guest, Michelle T. Stay tuned. from Los Angeles. This week, I solicited questions from people who follow me on Instagram. I said, what would you like to hear about on the podcast? I got so many great questions that I had to split it up. So this week, we have special guest Michelle T here to answer some advice and some general some general topical questions about current events and white supremacy. And then I'm going to use all the food questions for another episode with friend to the show, Morgan, including my dried fruit power ranking. Start thinking of yours because I definitely started thinking of mine. I think we all know that my number one might be prunes. And I don't know if that is because they're the most delicious of the dried fruits because they're definitely not, but they are useful and they stick to your ribs and they have a lot of their own qualities, including... The fact that they're great for bones because they have a lot of calcium. Anyway, we'll get to my dried fruit power rankings in a different episode with friend to the show, Morgan. But today we have Michelle. We're going to talk about non-monogamy. We're going to talk about weddings, trauma, etc. One thing I can tell you about that I don't need to wait on is squirrel talk. So if you have been following me online, Nicole J. George is on Instagram or Sagittarian Matters. If you don't follow me online, good for you. You may have more time in your life that is not attached to a screen, and for that, I give you kudos and I feel happy for you. As for me, I'm in a little bit of an Instagram K-hole because I really like sharing a special someone in my life, and that special someone is a squirrel. So right across from my ugly kitchen window, my kitchen window faced an ugly fence, and so I got a cute little red house to put on that ugly fence. The little red house is a bird feeder. The bird feeder is shaped like a house, but it has plastic over the windows and door. So you can look in, see it's full of bird seed, but no one's living in there. And I was assured there is a squirrel-proof bar that's supposed to dump squirrels off of the feeder so that it's just birds. It's very pristine. Well, you're not going to believe it, but as a matter of fact, squirrels can eat the seed. Have I ever seen a bird around the feeder? No. Have I seen a squirrel around the feeder? Yes, one squirrel, one very well-nourished squirrel. I got like a 15-pound bag of birdseed from this hardware store that was closing, and the bag is gone. How long did it take? Can't remember. Um, But I know that I refilled it just maybe two or three weeks ago, and it's already empty again. So this one squirrel uses the squirrel-proof bar kind of as a lever to get more birdseed. And at a certain point... When I'm looking out the window, I see him with his hand up there, just like when a soda machine has stolen your quarters and you're trying to stick your arm up and get some extra soda cans out of there. That's what he's doing with the birdseed. But he recently cleaned it out all the way. And so something crazy happened, which was there was a little bit in the back. And so he kind of, he like punched out the plastic that was covering the windows and door. He, he just knocked that out. And so then it became almost like a house, the birdhouse. 
He got all the seed from inside. And then yesterday, some crazy thing happened, which is he went inside. He squoze his well-nourished squirrel body in the door to the birdhouse and then looked out at me from inside of the house into my house where I was standing. And we locked eyes and he kind of, you know, narrowed his eyes and he said, Hey, lady, why don't you put some more fucking bird seed in here for me? And so then I asked Instagram, do you think I should buy this guy more bird seed or like, is he just going to punch a hole through my window someday? And people said a myriad of things, including like, yes, give him peanuts. And then somebody else said, don't give him peanuts. No legumes. He needs a proper nut. And other people said squirrels are nuisances. And, you know, and some people just like him. And anyway, there were, there was a lot of stuff. I do wonder if he's going to break into my house at some point and just eat all the prunes and take Ponyo hostage. I don't know. But I do want to tell you there's a little bit of nervousness in my voice this evening because I haven't seen him today, but I was on a dog walk and I did see a deceased squirrel. I might be catastrophizing, but every time I see a deceased squirrel in my neighborhood, it gives me pause and makes me a little concerned that it could be my squirrel because the squirrel is now my squirrel. So I crumbled up a rice cake and I got some pumpkin seeds. I threw them into the empty birdhouse and we're going to see what happens. I will keep you updated on the squirrel. Um, I will let you know what happens. But in the meantime, knock on wood, light a candle, say a squirrel prayer, pet your friends, you know, do what do what you got to do to bring bring my squirrel home, bring my boy home. So that's what's going on over here. If you thought I couldn't get more geriatric than eating prunes and feeding squirrels, it turns out I love puzzles. That is something I discovered on a recent miniature vacation with my sweetheart was that I was really puzzling. Um, so there you go. I, I feel like that's like a grand trifecta. If you want to include my orthopedic shoes, you can. I'm not doing any of this as kind of an affect or a put on. I just feel really comfortable. I feel comfortable with a wrist brace, an orthopedic shoe, a nice food that keeps you regular and tastes great, a friendly squirrel nearby, um, you know, maybe some news in the evening watching the Golden Girls doing a puzzle. The last thing I need to make you aware of this week is that producer Ponyo is an avid snorer. She gently snores and recently she's been snoring a little bit louder. If you stay tuned to the very end of the show and you turn the volume up, you will be able to hear producer Ponyo's gentlest little tiny snores. So stay tuned for that at the end of the show. Thanks for listening. Michelle T. is a writer, filmmaker, and a regular guest on Sagittarian Matters. She is the author of many books, including Against Memoir, Mermaid and Chelsea Creek, The Chelsea Whistle, and so many more. Michelle is even the founder of Drag Queen Story Hour. Did you know that? Michelle joined me in our Los Angeles studio today to answer some advice questions and talk about current events in our current white supremacist climate. Now, please enjoy my talk with... Michelle T. Michelle T., welcome back to Sagittarian Matters. So great to be back. You so are a fan favorite. And I am, and this is one of my favorite things to do. Really? It's just to be here and uh, try to solve strangers' problems with you. Yes. We're here to answer some advice questions today. I want to say it was just your birthday. Yeah. We went to karaoke. We did. 
It was wonderful. It was really fun. I got a couple boyfriends. You did. You got two boyfriends, and then we had to walk you to your car <laughs> <laughs> because of fear of said boyfriends. Because they were so in love with yeah. me. <laughs> like, who knows? They could maybe couldn't have helped themselves. You know, we but had to protect you. For fans of the show, I do want to say one of them offered to walk Ponyo for me. I like that when they they actually offered to go. One of them offered to go on a hike with Nicole. Um, and Nicole, what did you say to them? Oh, it was around a lake. A lake. Peanut Lake. And I said, well, I don't, I feel a little bit afraid you would throw me in the lake because you're a stranger. Would it, imagine if more women just responded to men in that way. You're <laughs> like, but I'm afraid that if I did go out with you, you would become increasingly emotionally abusive to me until my <laughs> self-esteem was really small. And then I would be trapped with you for the rest of my life. You know, just like yeah. what your real fears are about like being with a man. Well, my actual fear was like, you liked my karaoke song. We've been talking for three minutes and you want me to go to a secluded lake with you. I do feel afraid you're going to throw me in the lake. <laughs> so I'm so sorry to say I have to decline. Um, we have some advice questions. It's a beautiful day. We're in the Sagittarius Matter Studios. Producer Ponyo's got her headset on. Mm-hmm. She's chewing a Kong as she does the levels. And uh, we have some questions sent to us by people from Instagram.com. Okay, should I read this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, let me see what it says. My sister is marrying one of Mike Pence's nephews next year. Oh, my God. My sister-in-law is marrying one of Mike, Mike Pence's, Pence's nephews. nephews next year. It's inevitable that I'm going to be introduced to MP at this wedding, and I'd love some help crafting the perfect thing to do or say that conveys my deep disdain and disgust, but like doesn't make a scene. People keep telling me to just make out with my wife gratuitously the whole time, but we're not naturally PDA types, and I wouldn't do that even at the queerest wedding, so I need a different strategy. I guess more broadly, what's the most productive approach for participating in an event that involves a person or ideology that runs in painful opposition to your entire human existence? Wow, this is like a this is like a macrocosm of an issue that like a lot of people are, are dealing with like on a more microcosm way where yeah. like you're having to be around like a cousin or yeah, a Trump you know, supporting. people who you're having to be around people who like Mike Pence as opposed to actually being around Mike Pence, Mike Pence right? himself. Oh my gosh. Okay. So this is, I've really been thinking about this one because you know, I have two, I'm, I'm thinking about my realistic approach. I mean, there's like yeah. the dream approach which is like a oh, karate chop him to death. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you suck. Drink in his face. Yeah. yeah. And then you get like uh, tased by secret security. Totally. Secret. But, yeah. um, I think that either a, in real life, I would glower and look past him. Or turn away in a mean girl kind of way. Yeah, that's 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 very good classic. Just like ice. <laughs> classic like ice, ice mean girl. Yeah. And he'll know. He'll know why. Okay. He'll be able to tell. But uh, the other thing, because this person's asking, asking not if she should ice him, but what she... Uh, my other What's thing would be... the perfect thing to do to declare your disdain? To me, I like to humanize any issue and make people responsible for their actions as opposed to judging their character. So I feel like I would just, you know, very matter-of-factly say something like... You know, your your work has really caused a lot of pain for people that I care about. And I'd, I feel really uncomfortable right now. I'm not sure what to say to you because I think you've caused a lot of harm. Um, so I, I got to go. Yeah. You, are, and you can say something like vaguely, like I'm foreboding, like, you know, at some point you'll have to reckon with that, <laughs> with the harm that you've caused to this world during your time here. Yeah. Yeah. You could say something just like very like righteous like that and sort of like cosmic. What would you say? I mean... You're at a wedding with Dashiell and your gay baby. Right. Mike Pence is there. It's a small wedding. You're going to get introduced. I mean, 
I would definitely not be above using my gay baby as a prop in the in this situation. I mean, I do have a gay baby who's definitely not gay, um, who I could just be like, oh, hi. Oh, and this is my wife. Dashiell is our child. And the work that you do in the world actually is is working to tear us apart as a family and destabilize my child's life. (laughs) (laughs) And then just wait. And then just uh, either wait or turn around. I mean, I think it's interesting that the person said, you know, what's the most productive approach? Because it's like, well, what do you what do you want to happen? Because really nothing's and Mike Pence is going to keep on being Mike Pence after this, you know. Um, so I guess all you can hope to do is in that moment, make him as uncomfortable as he's making you in that yeah. moment. Right. And um, I don't know. Like, I think you can even just be like, you disgust me and turn around. I mean, like just saying yeah. something very arch like that, like. You dis- you know, like not shaking his hand, being like you disgust me, and then turning your back on him. Like, what would Eileen Miles do? Eileen would not Miles, shake his hand. Eileen would not shake his hand. Eileen would maybe like turn a table. Eileen would throw the wedding cake at him, maybe, you know. Um, Eileen would be like, hey, I think you're a real son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I, and then like live tweet it, and it would be amazing. Um, but like, I don't know. And you know something? I know that you are not a natural PDA type. And you wouldn't do a lot of PDA even at the queerest wedding, but this isn't a you know why not try just a natural uh, you know occurrence. You're not naturally around Mike Pence, so maybe you do want to like grab your wife's butt a little bit at the wedding. I don't know. I wouldn't be above a public finger bang. Yeah, (laughs) I'm sorry. This is a real question of where you're getting so loopy, but it is really. I I guess it's like you want to say something pointed, right? So you either just say something, just like you disgust me. I'm not touching your my. You know, I don't shake hands with you know homophobes or whatever. Or you, I, I like what Nicole was saying. Like you know. The work that you do in the world has a, a direct, you know, causes harm to me and my family and the people that I care about. So I can't really shake your hand. Yeah. You know, I, just I, like I, tell the truth. I feel like the best you can do is tell the truth. And I think I would like to, I don't think I'm going to change him, but I'd like to haunt him. Whatever yeah, I say, I would like it to stay ideal. with him. I feel that's like just saying hope. you disgust me, he's used to that. Right. He probably is. I just want that personal connection, looking him in the eyes saying something that will stick with him a little bit yeah maybe you even want to look into like some specific things that he said or did that you can kind of really trace the root like trace the effect of that into your life a little bit or give him a little prepared with some research do a little like godfather thing give him a hug and lean in and go i know you're a homosexual oh (laughs) right listen one gay person to another we all know The whole community knows. Doesn't mean you're getting off the hook for all the evil work you're doing, but I just want to let you know we know. We know and we don't accept you. Hey, it's Gay Face. Gay Face. What up, Gay Face? Oh, was- Gay Face Pence. <laughs> just um, gay bashing him. At the-, <laughs> the gay, the one gay couple at the wedding gay, gay bashing, bashing Mike Pence. Oh, man. Weird tactic. But okay. All right, we got another, we got some more questions. We got some heavy hitters today, I'm just going to say. We really do. Do you want to do this one next? Dear Sagittarian Matters, specifically Nicole, but Michelle's here. Yeah. How do you, how do you think about white supremacy as a white, queer, vegan cartoonist woman? Well, I do want to say that I am a white-facing Arab-American woman who is a cartoonist and a vegan. That is true. <laughs> uh, so I, I do have a lot of allegiance and alliance with the Arab-American community and the Arab-American cartoonist community in particular. Uh-huh. Um, I think that uh, living in the world as someone who looks very much like a white person, I get privileges. And so I try to 
recognize that and speak up for people that don't have those privileges? I just think, I think that um, the way that you would think about white supremacy is the way that anybody who has white privilege would think about, should be thinking about white supremacy, which is like constantly undoing the brainwashing that the culture lays on you um, and that you pick up whether you want it or not. Like, where's that book? There's that book, White Fragility by Robin D'Angelo. Everyone should read it. It's so good. Even if you're like, I'm woke to racism and white privilege, I get it. It's like, it's still so good to read it. You really should just read it because it um, it just really keeps peeling and poking at how insidious white supremacy is and how, you know, white people have just been soaking in it. And, you know, we continue to have blind spots and undoing white supremacy is a lifelong thing. You work on that your whole entire life. Like the minute you think like, I got it, like you're probably in trouble. Like you you kind of, I feel like white people need to be vigilant. To me, I heard somebody compare it to alcoholism once, yeah. which I think is really, as an alcoholic, is really interesting where it's like, yeah, I didn't ask for this, but I got it. And it's ugly and it can make my life ugly and it can make other people's lives ugly. And you need to just constantly be aware that you're afflicted like with racism and you need to be constantly looking at it and reminding yourself that you're white, you have white privilege in this world, you have racism, and you need to be constantly just like um, vigilant. Yeah. Vigilant about it. In like 12 Whether step, you're a cartoonist or not. In 12, like 12 step, it's a practice. Yeah. Like you don't just get better. There's not a day where you're like, I'm not racist anymore. Right. I'm totally, not, totally. I'm not receiving benefits from my skin. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I don't, I don't, I, I've, I've wiped out all my blind spots about racism. It's like, no, no, you haven't. Like you're just, you know, things are going to pop up and shock you that they're in your mind and you just have to like look at it for what it is and like do better and think better. I don't know. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, it's hard. This question is, it's just something that somebody wanted me to riff on on the podcast. Yeah. But I mean, I guess I feel like one of the things I got out of this book, which was nice is, so white fragility would be that thing where someone gets called on doing something racist and their knee, they go with their knee jerk response. They don't stop and listen and consider what the person who, uh, possibly is marginalized or has less privileges saying to them. Yeah. They just go like, no, my intentions were wonderful. And right. then they get their feelings hurt and they end up taking up more space than the person who was initially hurt or noticed their racism. Right. Um, and so I feel like a great thing about this book is that it reminds people over and over again that you just, you just need to stop and l- fucking listen. Yeah. You just have to stop and listen and like validate and center the experiences of people of color when you're talking about racism. Like, guess who's the expert? Not yeah. you. They are. And when you're in spaces where you're just amongst white people and so they feel a little loose, <laughs> a little loose about uh, talking in ways that they wouldn't right. if there was a person of color in the room, you need to call that out. Yeah. And I like that the the way that she like positions things like that in the book, it's like when you don't do that, you're upholding and protecting white supremacy. It's like doing nothing isn't like, oh, I just didn't do anything. It's like you actually did do something. Doing nothing is upholding white supremacy in those moments and protecting white supremacy. So it's it's really cool. It's a really cool um, call to action. I felt like really bolstered mm-hmm. after reading it in a different way. I felt like inspired to kind of like think about things and deal with things. I don't know. It's a good, mm-hmm. I think it's really good. It's yeah. like the whole thesis of it is sort of like, you know, 
everybody thinks that, unless, you know, unless the, the, that racists are people who are like burning cross. It's like the racists are like the KKK. Yeah. So as long as you don't belong to the KKK, you're not racist. Yeah. And it's like insane because it's like racism is this huge problem in America, but no white person thinks they're racist. What if all white people acknowledge that they're racist and actually deal with our racism? How could we transform actually transform racism and trans- transform the landscape and make it an easier place for people of color to be if we just did that work. And doing that work means going out of your way to do that work. Yeah. It means doing things that could yeah. be difficult, require more energy, require you sharing resources, sharing money. Feeling vulnerable, feeling bad, having to swallow your bad feelings and, and just um, not put your comfort first. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that. If you have an advice question for Sagittarian Matters, call or text our advice hotline, 971-361-9998. Leave a message. We might answer your question on the air, and we promise not to answer the phone. That is a Sagittarian promise that you can take all the way to the bank. Okay, what else do we got? What do we got? Let me see. Let me see what do we got here. So the white the white thing is an ongoing discussion forever, I feel like. Forever. It has to be. Five seconds on the podcast um, is not going to do it justice. No. This is a long question. Okay, should we? Okay. Wow, this is really long. Okay. Is this it right here? Okay. My ex recently ended our romantic partnership, but for logistical logistic reasons, we've had to agree to continue living in the same house for a couple of couple of months until we can secure separate living situations. My condolences. That sounds horrible right from the start. I think I've done that before. Have you done that before? Um, no. When I had my live-in person and we broke up, I was like, I got really good advice immediately um, from Eileen Miles, <laughs> who keeps coming up. They're like, no, they have to move out right now. And I was like, oh, right. Okay. <laughs> and I was like, you have to move out right now. They're like, but where? And I'm like, I don't know. Figure it out. You have friends. Right. That's yeah. some real Dr. Laura advice. It was, yeah. I, I mean, it felt really good to do that. But anyway, I don't know what your guys' story are. I'm not, no, no judgment. Okay. Our dynamic has always been non-monogamous, monogamous, which had come with its inherent difficulties and issues, but had always been mutually agreed upon. Shortly after our breakup, which was a heavy blow to me, but I think nonetheless amicable, they went to visit mutual friends of ours who they had been insisting all along should be mainstays mainstays in my support system while working through this process unbeknownst to me with the intention of an eventually outcome of hooking up with them both okay wait that was a very long sentence so your ex went to stay with a couple friends who they've been being like these people will be your support system but actually they went there to do them have like a three-way okay get it got it checked when they revealed this to me upon their return home i had been drinking the plot thickens and did not handle the news well Uh whatever that means okay (laughs) ended up storming out of the house and letting these people know that i did not want their support or to hear from them anymore my ex has since apologized and admitted that they fucked up as I have also admitted to not handling the entire situation well. However, this coming weekend is my birthday, and not long after the initial situation took place, they made me aware of their plans for this weekend to return for a long weekend with those same people who I felt so hurt and betrayed by. Can you just, like, move to a different city for a little while? Do your yeah. friends someplace? It sounds horrible. They keep saying that they care about me, and they do show it in some in, it's some in other ways, but I also feel like... In situations like this, they are showing a complete disregard for my feelings and emotional and mental instability at the moment. So that's the backstory in a nutshell. My question is, oh, there's a question. I'm <laughs> there's like, a question. That's not the question. I'm like, the, 
get out of that situation. Okay. The question um, is, it, it, is it valid of me to request of them to refrain from this kind of behavior while we are still living together out of necessity and I have to be privy to it and aware of it? I'm not asking them not to see other people. I myself am doing so, I guess. I'm just asking for them to not fuck their way through my support system while I just have to sit back and watch it happen and it gets written off time and time again by... Well, we're both not healing, handling this well, and it's a mistake for both of us, so I'm just going to keep doing whatever I want to do. Oh, God. So, look, I know so that... Oh, that's okay. so that's it. Oh, okay. Um, listen, friend, you've got to get away from these people. You've got to get away from these people. You don't need to, like, take the high road and try to find a way to be friends with them. These people seem so messy, and um, I understand that, like, there's... A, Here's the thing. I think a lot of times in like poly scenes or situations, there's this pressure to sort of, there's the ideal, right? There's the intellectual ideal, which we can all agree looks and sounds so good, right? And then there's the practice of real life. And often the practice of real life is absolute misery, jealousy, sadness, (laughs) chaos, paranoia, anxiety but for whatever reason that gets disregarded in favor of this sort of like highfalutin ideal like i should be okay with this like this is mayhem like i (laughs) think you've got to get away from these people like figure it out like how can you get away from these people like of course they shouldn't be screwing with like your friends all these people shouldn't be doing this and it shouldn't be happening in the home that you're living in and you know the fact that you didn't handle it well, like, well, what does it look like to handle it well? Like, I think, like, some instances are, like, that's an occasion where you get to throw a plate at the wall. Like, that's, you get to do that when something like that happens, you know? So it's probably fine however you handled it. Um, But, like, this kind of pressure, like, oh, you're you're in this horrible situation and then there's this pressure to handle it well on top of it? No. Just, you get to go have grief, have your feelings. Yeah, yeah. Watch your drinking. Just watch it. Nobody thinks they're going to be an alcoholic, but look, some of us turn out to be some. So just pay attention to that. Um, But yeah, I don't know. Get far away from these people. You don't have to be their friends. You don't owe them anything. You only owe yourself like good self-care. And I don't know, like ASAP, see if you can move out or see if you can just really get this person to leave your house. This seems crazy making, right? This seems like the kind of thing that would make me feel insane like my when my brain feels like a squirrel cage yeah. when i'm having too many thoughts that i know that something is making me crazy yeah. and i'm having anxious loops and circles totally. and the people and if you can't trust on face value that everyone who's smiling to your face isn't finger banging your partner behind your back then yeah you may need some space and just find somebody who is absolutely not in your partner's wheelhouse yeah just like an old friend from high school someone of a totally obscure gender or like physicality or a place on earth and just find solace in them. And I often do a cost benefit analysis of stress where I'm like, Oh, would I rather have the stress of living with somebody that stresses me out or whatever? I have the stress of trying to find enough money to pay rent. And often for me, the stress of finding the money is better, preferable to the stress of living with someone that makes me feel batshit crazy. Because when you're feeling batshit crazy, you can't, it's harder to function and you can't find the money because you can't do the work because you can't be productive or functional because you're losing your mind. Yeah, because yeah. your brain is going a million miles an hour. Mental your health has to come first. It does. And like you're going over the records. You're wondering Ugh. what you missed. Ugh. Or there's some, you don't want to do any of that. You just have to go somewhere where you can like 
do your job, come home, wrap up in a comforter, listen to sad music. Yeah. You know, watch Breaking Bad. Yeah. Or something. <laughs> Sabrina. The chilling adventures of Sabrina. Yeah. Um, so I think if you need to borrow money from someone, if you need to take out a line of credit, if you need to do a little credit card shenanigans. Seriously, do what you have to do to get, put as much distance between this these people in this situation as possible. Get some miles. Yeah. Southwest has a great offer. I'm not sponsored. is not SponCon. <laughs> but they'll give you like something like 30,000 miles if you open a card with them. That's pretty high interest after a certain number of months. So if you're like, okay, my six-month plan is I have three months to just dick off and take care of myself. Yeah. Put everything on this credit card. Get a bunch of miles. Then I'm going to fly somewhere. Oh, make some money (laughs) fly somewhere with those miles make some money or go on a vacation come back pay it all off within a year i can deal with the interest it's worth it right now to support myself and get the fuck out of this apartment or just be heartless and kick your your part your partner who appears to be you know what like a a vaginal learner i don't know what their situation is but they're your partner who needs to heal by having sex with everyone in your community like let them go do that somewhere else right you don't need to be around it no shame to them no shame in their slut game yeah some people just need that but um you don't need to have front row seats no and it's just messy the friends and the there's some definitely some messy boundaries and let's just model role model this michelle if i was in a long-term relationship with somebody i lived with okay will you shut up Ponyo thinks we're talking about her, but we're not. Ponyo. We're talking about you're, a human. You're safe. You're not going anywhere. Is, is my mom getting... Is my home falling apart? No, no. It's very stable. It's very stable, Ponyo. Okay, if I had a long-term partner and we lived together, uh-huh. we break up. You're my friend and my confidant. Yeah. Who's been friends with us as a partnership? Uh-huh. But is my friend... What what is your first impulse to sleep with my ex? Oh my god, no! My first impulse is to be like, can you get your ex out of your house? You don't want to be living together. That's bad. Yeah, that's bad. Even if nothing insane happens, it's just bad boundaries, and it's emotionally confusing, and it prolongs the inevitable. It prolongs anxiety. And and, and if my partner and I were non monogamous, and you kind of had the hots for them, and you ended up sleeping with them, oh my god, you fell down. You had too much soda or whatever. You, you <laughs> fell down. I, I'm out of excuses. I don't drink. I can't blame this on anything. <laughs> you get ex- you get really excited. You sleep with them, but you know, whoops. And whoops. then would you then be like, no, still let me be your main support um, system? I would be like, um, Nicole, I really fucked up. I bet you really don't want to see my face right now. I'm going to go away until you're comfortable talking to me again. And I'm not going to sleep with your ex again because I value your friendship more than a fleeting affair. And so I'm going to just go uh, sit in a corner and think about what I've done until we can heal our friendship. It's weird. There's like a thing where it's like, yes, you're non-monogamous. That's wonderful. Yeah. But also there's your friendship boundaries. Yeah. Non-monogamy doesn't mean like, woo, let's all have sex with each other and swing from the chandeliers together. And like, you know what I mean? Like there's still like people are still have feelings and, and, and yeah. You can still respect your partner or your former partner's feelings by not, you know, fucking where they eat yeah i'm sure there's something in the ethical slot about this don't you think there must be but i you know i just remember like the first either the introduction of the first chapter starts with the author one of the authors talking about her partner just like crying walking from room to room crying because her partner's feeling jealous and upset about something she did but like tough luck sister because we're ethical sluts oh no i just remember that being part of <laughs> a the little int- off-putting <laughs> 
I just remember, I mean, I, so, so this is going to reveal me as maybe not the best person to ask about polyamorous things. But I remember, like, you know, in my 20s, I was, like, abused with that book. Yeah. Where everyone in Portland was like, you got to be non-monogamous. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'll be non-monogamous, but I don't want to know any details. People are like, well, if you don't want to know everything about it, maybe you're not really non-monogamous. It was like, oh, God. you couldn't just be non-monogamous. You had to be, like, there. Yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. But so then I worked at the feminist bookstore and everybody wanted to buy that book. And I remember just feeling like there's a scene in The Exorcist where, um, what's her name? She's the one, Reagan. Yeah. Where the mom's having a dinner party and Reagan like walks out of her room yes. and stares at, at a pilot or astronaut and just says, you're going to die up there. Yeah, and then just, and just, she pee herself? She pees yes. on the carpet. She just pee comes out of her nightgown. Yes. And then she crawls up the stairs backwards. <laughs> and I felt like that when I would hand over the ethical <laughs> slut to like young queer baby dykes. I wanted to be like, you're going to die up there. <laughs> and to just pee in front of them and crawl into the stock room. <laughs> because I just, because people can use it so poorly. I know yes. people that yes. are poly that have a great time. Of course. But that requires you have to be, it's next level ethics. Yeah. It's the K2 of relationships. Yeah, it really is. You it can't really just is. be like slutty with a whim and think that you're going to be able to do it without hurting people's feelings. Yeah. No, you need a plan. You need, you need like, it needs to be consensual. <laughs> anyway, oh, I, I never gosh. did that, but I thought about it. That's so funny. I remember the ethical slut lived in like a little basket in my bathroom, like through the 90s. In the house that I lived in, it was always there, staring at you. Yeah. Yeah, while you were peeing. Not to be a Seinfeld, but have you ever noticed that I never try to sell you Blue Apron on the podcast? Or that we do not disparage and bemoan trips to the post office in favor of stamps.com? Well, it is because we have no advertisers. Zero. Producer Chris, producer Ponyo, and myself do this out of the goodness of our hearts we like it if you would like to tip producer chris sutton who dedicates hours to this series every week please 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 send your tip of five dollars ten dollars who knows how much that's your business via paypal to hornetleg at gmail.com that is hornet like the insect leg like one of his appendages at gmail.com if you do this we will read your name on the podcast Isn't that exciting? We may have advertisers someday and we'll rant and rave about free sex toys and mattresses and blue apron and whatever. But in the meantime, thank you. We appreciate your support and I look forward to saying your name on the podcast. Producer Ponyo looks forward to it too. That was Ponyo's voice. Don't be scared. Bye. questions um, you know actually there is something else here that is kind of interesting that i i feel like i do have something to say about and, and probably you do too um i'm feeling very sad and disgusted over jesse smollett um how to have compassion for someone who really fucked up <sighs> you know something this is what i think about that and it it's so disappointing, right? I mean, it's hard. It's like literally heartbreaking. Well, let's just say for people that don't, that aren't following the news. For okay. Jesse Smollett uh, plays a bisexual person on the show Empire. Mm-hmm. He is a black bisexual or homosexual in real life. Yeah. He said that he got hate crimed 
by some people that put a rope around his neck. That's horrible. Poured bleach on him, beat him up, and yelled, like, this is MAGA country. Yeah. And we're maybe wearing MAGA hats. And- yeah. And yeah. then, but then it turned out, and, and then there was, there was some doubt about it, but then I attributed that to white supremacy. Of course. Yeah. People online, like Fox News people were like, he's lying. I know it. And I was yeah. like, you better shut up. Yeah. And then it turned out maybe he was lying. Yeah. As a matter of fact, yeah, he said he was lying. Well, I mean, this is the horrible thing. It's like you know, hate crimes happen enormously, and they're and they're documented even more so now. You know, in the past couple of years, for obvious reasons, and also sometimes people lie about things, and it's like something that nobody wants to look at because it's like the reason that I I was I had a girlfriend who lied about having been raped, and it was pretty mind blowing to be. Um, a young feminist really coming into my feminism and like being like, you know, believe women, believe all women, which I still believe in. But then you actually have been manipulated firsthand by somebody who then later did acknowledge that they lied about being raped. They lied about being molested. They just had a history of lying. And so because of that, I've always been really fascinated when people do things like this because um, it happens sometimes. And, you know, here's what I think about it. I think that there is a trauma that is sustained being in the when you know that you are a target for a potential hate crime. And the fact that, say, I haven't been raped, I haven't experienced rape, that doesn't mean that right now at 47 years old, I'm like, oh, I was never raped in my life. It means I haven't been raped yet, right? And I feel like everybody feels like that. Like women feel like that about being raped. People of color feel like that about being hate crimed. Queers feel like that about being hate crimed. I mean, everybody Mm -hmm. who is a potential victim of a hate crime, it's not like, oh, that, that didn't happen to me. You know that it could always happen to you. And there's a certain amount of trauma that is sustained constantly just knowing that. And it never gets resolved because maybe nothing happens. And I kind of understand th- how you could get a little unhinged from it and really crave the sort of love and care and attention and resolution and around being able to say this legitimate thing actually happened to me and I actually survived this crime and I want you know, to yell about it or I want to be comforted from it because this other kind of PTSD is this amorphous thing that we just wear all the time and walk around with and, you know, kind of vaguely acknowledging each other, but, but you don't get that kind of big hug from the world that you hope somebody gets, you know, when they've actually been, you know, physically assaulted. Do you know, does that make sense? It does make sense. Like there is, it's, it's where there's, there's like the anxiety circuit feels like it's, finally closed where you're like the thing i was scared about yeah. that everyone's like no you're crazy you're yeah. crazy yeah why would that happen if you do the right things that's not going to happen the anxiety right. circuit would finally feel closed if that actually happened but also like you don't get a lot of hugs and support and outward whatever just from being a person in a body right. that is in danger at all right. times and so yeah you could come unhinged and then say this kind of thing happened yeah for whatever reason i mean imagine and- if i was just kind of like oh i've been worried about being raped for like 40 years can somebody i need some attention for that you know it's yeah. like it's so vague it's like what do i even need i don't know you know I, like I, I, people would go like okay michelle you don't yeah good, good. right yeah it's or good you're safe yeah I don't know. It's, it's, it's such a weird thing, you know? And it's like the pressure of living in this country right now, which has been just exploded with hatred for black people and, and people of color and queer people. I mean, it's like it's become so much more legitimate, even just how we say, you know, how the media says white nationalists instead of white supremacists. I mean, it's become so normal, normalized that we're living in a country that's filled with people who hate black people. It's like, yeah, 
that can drive somebody freaking crazy. I, I understand that. That makes sense to me. Yeah. So, so how, so I guess it's just having compassion for him. Yeah. I mean, you know, what, what he did is such a bummer because it, it casts doubt. It will cast doubt on the next people that come forward and say this has happened to them. But here's what I also think about that. Cause I know that that's something that people have been using as a reason to be mad at him. Like who, who though really is going to now doubt that hate crimes happen the because same, Jesse Smollett lied about being hate crime. The same assholes. Right. The same assholes who just don't want him. To, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like every normal person who understands that, you know, black people, people of color, queer people are all at a, you know, are a huge risk of street violence, like know that these things happen. So, and we're always going to keep being there for each other and believing each other and supporting each other. It's only these like people who don't want to believe it, who now will feel like, Oh good. Now I don't have to listen to people of color, I don't have to listen to gay people. I don't have to listen to people talk about the violence that they're, you know, experiencing. But I mean, those are people that have seen photographs of lynchings and of right. police shootings, yeah. and still right cast doubt upon a person of color saying something happened, something violent happened to me in America. Right. Like if you can like look at the historical record up until like every minute, yeah, this minute, and then still be like. No, I think he's not telling the truth as your first impulse. Yeah. There's something wrong with you that's going to continue to be wrong with you. Totally. Like, we don't need this one person who's a television star to have been abused in order for us to believe survivors. Exactly. I mean, the, the history of, like, white supremacy in America, it shows that there is actually no limit to the psychotic things that white people have done and can do to people of color. I mean, it's just... Oh, it's it's the it's the worst. It's truly not, like the stuff nightmares are made of. And so, so you're gonna be, you're not gonna believe that a white person was racist. Like it's <laughs> so crazy. It's like oh my god. Like there's pictures from not that long ago of like whole families watching a lynching. Yeah, I mean it's it's like there's there's videos of children getting torn apart from their parents because they were seeking safety. Yeah, like it's just it's not that far it's not that far of a stretch. It's not that far of a stretch. There's 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 violence against people of color that's happening all the time that we're seeing. So, ugh. So I guess uh, the the thing from this is continue to believe people. Yes, continue to believe people. That's still the correct thing to do. And question yourself and, when you don't. You and, know, look at your own. You know, unwillingness to believe and what where that comes from and, and investigate yourself, too, you know. And I do still have compassion for Jesse Smollett. Whatever must be going on in his mind to have taken such a risk to and to have concocted this scheme is not a healthy mind. No. And it can't be wonderful for him to be living in that mind and body right now. No way. That is like that. No, that's he's disturbed. And, you know, in this culture, I think he's got he probably came by it really honestly. Yeah. Um, I do want to say there's been a string of hate crimes in Portland recently. I've heard about this. The Proud Boys, which is such Ugh, a stupid name. Gross. The, um, the Proud Boys of Portland have called a quote-unquote open season on LGBTQI+. Plus. I don't think they use those terms. People. <laughs> <laughs> so, they're very respectful while they're bashing us. Very. They want to be inclusive. Yeah. But seven different queer people have been bashed. Oh, my so God. So queer people of Portland, if you're listening to this, if for some reason you haven't already gotten this message from social media, please don't walk home alone. Please don't walk home from things. If you need a lift, if you need an Uber, there is um, there's an Instagram group for queer people. I'll say it or put it in the show notes. Um, there is a fund for cars and for rides and cisgendered 
and straight people of Portland and people with privilege, if you have the ability to reach out to queer people and tell them, you'll pick them up. You'll give them a ride. You'll give them support or you'll put money into this fund for transportation. Please do because there is a maroon uh, truck kind of thing going around and these buttholes are hitting people. They're trying to they're trying to drag femmes into their cars. Oh my god! They are throwing beer bottles at people. They hit someone with um, a wooden block, a wooden board. Ugh. They hit somebody with a rubber hammer. Um, there's just been a lot of stuff going on, and so stay safe, stay um, in numbers. I don't know. Everyone's saying queers bash back, but I feel so bad at fighting. I feel like if I bashed back, it would escalate, and then I would end up in big physical trouble. You know, I feel like for folks who want to bash back, go bash back. Yeah. And for folks who don't feel safe doing that, don't do it. But everybody get a ride, stick yeah. together, safety in numbers. Ugh, this world is garbage. The world is garbage, but Sagittarian Matters has your back. Yes. We are a safe-ish place for you. <laughs> I, I don't know if I could say any place in the world is completely safe. Right. We're a safe-ish place for you. Yeah. Uh, we support you. We have compassion for you as you go through your process. And, um, and that's it. All right. So, Michelle, thanks for coming on the podcast. I love coming on the podcast. And now, Sagittarian Matters presents a little bit of audio of producer Ponyo gently snoring. Vegetarian Matters is produced by Chris Sutton, with assistance by Ponyo Georges. Our theme music is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs of the band Bouquet. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time.